Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is indeed time for the parenting slot. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon. Here's your first question. I'm worried my son isn't happy in our family. He's six. He's constantly looking to have sleepovers in his cousin's house. He's presently asked me to go and play in other people's houses. I will often say he would love to live in their house. When I ask why, he says it's because they're more fun and he likes it there. We had a baby last year and it's been full on, but maybe I've neglected his needs. My husband works abroad during the week, so it's just me and the two kids from Monday morning till Friday evening. I can't help but feel hurt when my son says he wants to live elsewhere. Crikey, I think mam could do with living elsewhere for yeah, a while. Yeah, isn't you know? it? You know, you can really feel that. Yeah. And it is so disheartening and it'd be so easy for me to say, well, it's not personal. Don't take it personally. But actually it can feel so personal oh, when our, yeah. ki- our kids do say things like that and you're like, oh, you know, that was very hard. Mm. Um, but what I would, you know, when our children, we have to hold in mind, when our children say play with me, you know, the line here that really struck me is he is persistently asking me to go play in other people's houses. When children want to play, they want to communicate, they want to connect. And when they ask us to play with them, they're really saying, connect with me. Mm. I want to mm. be with you. And this is the way that they do it. Like children, generally speaking, not all of them, but generally speaking, don't say, come here till I tell you about the hard day I've had or about the day. Instead, (laughs) they say, play with me. And it is the same thing. And this little guy, you know, I'm going to positively reframe this slightly before we get into it, is he sounds like a resourceful little boy. You know, he's identified where he can get his play needs met right now. And he's saying, well, it's not at home because mom has her hands full with baby and, you know, running the house and the functional care stuff Monday through Friday. And I want to play. So he's not saying I prefer the adults in these other homes. He wants to play with cousins and friends. He's looking for kids. He's looking for peers to play with. And I think so if that does help a bit go and it's not that he's saying other people are nailing parenting better than you. He's just saying give me access (laughs) to play and I, I can find that with other kids. And I think as well, you know, if he's looking to spend time at his cousin's house right now, I'm going to say to this parent, lean into family support, like lean into that. If his aunt or uncle, whoever it might be, is saying happy to have him. Do you know what? Let that happen for now, because you've got a lot going on. You know, when you're saying I can't help but feel hurt when my son says he wants to live elsewhere, I would say, look, ask what small changes you can put in place. I'm not going to sit and go, do you know what? The answer is play with him. And at the same time, I'm going to say pockets of play are your answer. You might look at your day with the baby, with him and with everything else going on and say, OK, there is a 15 minute window after school or before bed or in the morning time or when the baby is down for sleep a bit earlier, then I can sit and play with him. And if all you have is that 15 minute window for play a day, make it predictable and consistent because then he can rely on it. Mm. He's not going to be like, you're not available to me because he'll anticipate with certainty and be right that you're going to say, hey, it's our special playtime now. No phones, no distractions, no nothing. Be fully, fully present for that. Because, you know, this is a very busy year in this house. You know, new baby, everything else, other parent working away. And the midweek burden of running the house, the functional care, everything else that goes with parenting, the demands of a baby are all falling on one parent. You know, and that's not a criticism of the other one because life happens in all of our families and you're doing the best that Mm. you can. So ensure that you do have a family fun weekend when, you know, when um, his dad is home at the weekend. 
But I also don't want you thinking you're going to do all of this all week and then you have to play, play, play all weekend. Because actually to get you through the Monday to Friday, I really want this family to sit down, the parents, and make sure that mom has a break. Oh my God, does she ever need a break? Yeah. Yes. And I mean yeah. a full break. It doesn't yeah. matter what that's for or what you do with it, but that you get like a pocket of a couple of hours, two to three hours mm. that is yours Saturday or Sunday, morning, noon, night, whatever works for yeah. you guys. But you have that because you need that to be alone, to do your own thing, to connect with friends so that you can recharge yourself for what's coming the week after. Mm-hmm. And if you invest in yourself, you're investing in your kids. That really is not just a soundbite. That's a really yeah. important benchmark in parenting. But I think pocket of play lean into family support and restructure your weekends to make sure you're getting to take back into yourself so that you can keep this going. Yeah. The pocket of play thing, though, you know, if you're saying well, when you come home, you know, from school every day, we'll have 15 minutes of play. You can't guarantee that because one year old might, no, you I know, stymie those it's plans. after school every day. Yeah. It would be in your head because you might find there are, you know, kids have extra activities as well going on. Sure. Some days yeah. it's going to be evenings before bed when the baby's down earlier. Sometimes it's going to be in and around bath time and getting ready to go to bed that you integrate it into the routine you're always doing. You'll make it work, but in your head, you know, there will be 15 minutes a day and he can predict you're definitely going to play with me. Yes. I don't okay, even need you to enough. tell me exactly yeah. when. Yeah, I can trust that it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My husband keeps suggesting we get a dog. I don't know why he wants to bring more hardship on his family as we already have a two-year-old and a nine-year-old who are hard enough to manage. I'm not ready for one and don't know how to stretch myself further to care for it. But the kids, going on their granny's dog, seem to really love dogs. And he says it will be a great addition to help the kids to learn responsibilities and learn to care for animals. Is he right about that? If we get a dog, it shouldn't be there as a learning tool for the children. Also, our baby is crawling and pulling at everything. Is it okay to have a dog with a baby that young? I'm not so concerned about the two-year-old. I know I love the dog once here, but I'm nervous for the nine-year-old. I I just see all the work involved more than anything else. I mean... This answers itself, does it, it not? Does, of course it? it does. I mean, I, I mean, if you need to blame the person on the radio who said it, I'll happily do that for you. But the answer is no, you're not going to get a dog because you say it here, you're not ready for one. That's the answer. Yeah. You know, you don't even need to explain it beyond that. Um, and it isn't a case of not ever But it is a case of not now. Yeah. Like a two year old, a nine month old, a crawling baby, all of that. And there's something in here that I hear. Well, maybe it's my inference, but I'm hearing that you're like saying I don't have capacity. Maybe you're predicting a lot of the care and responsibility of the dog is going to default onto you. And oh, yeah, the kids will learn about responsibility. The greatest myth ever. No, and they're they're babies, both of them. And of course, they love Granny's dog, but they don't have to clean up Granny's dog's poop or feed Mm. it or walk it or bathe it or mind it in any of that kind of capacity. So in the meantime, let them enjoy Granny's dog. That's great. But they're not ready for a dog. They're babies. And you are very clear in this. I'm not ready. I don't know why he wants to bring hardship on us and I can't stretch myself any further. There's your answer. No to the dog. Yeah. Yeah. You really, it's really, uh, this is more a relationship, unless um, unless he said it. No, but of course, the kids are too young to even say it to, so that won't be an issue. So you just need to say it to him. Yeah. What a great idea you've had. We yeah. will review it five to seven years from now. Yeah. <laughs>
Because even as it is, you could imagine that, like, obviously the two-year-old and the nine-month-old won't be walking the dog. So that'll just turn not. into a row over who's walking the dog. Well, either, I mean, best case scenario, it's going to be a shared responsibility between parents, one of whom is saying, I'm at capacity, I'm overwhelmed, there is no more room in my scheduling or my emotional bandwidth to care for another human, be- or human being or thing, yeah. being, yeah. yeah. So that the answer is no. Yeah. And the dog, actually, the dog has even more work to a certain extent. You can get a slight bit of sense out of a two year old. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Uh, it's like having another child because it's essentially Absolutely. the same thing. You can't go on holidays without arrangements and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Anya wonders about uh, the, the first question we had in there uh, about the, the little fella who isn't happy in our family, as the person mm. put it. Uh, would he be grieving for his dad? I mean, absolutely. I think there could be that experience of things are just stressful. Understandably, there's context to the stress, but children are sponges for that emotional resonance of us parents, yeah. us grown-ups in their lives. So, I mean, one parent working away midweek, the other parent with the baby, that's stressful. You can dress it up how you like, but that is stressful. Yeah, Even yeah, when you're managing absolutely. it, you're managing yeah. a stressful situation. So he may be just saying, I just want to go somewhere that I can play. That's what I think is happening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure how long dad has been working in that way or how long he will be. Is that a sort of permanent or a transient arrangement? It doesn't matter. But I think, yes, playing with him will allow him to emotionally exhale that. But yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, and another texter says, I always say that having a dog is having a child that you can't get a babysitter for. Mm-hmm. No one is willing to help out and take said pup when you want a family weekend away. That is very true. And inevitably, that's uh, that's another cost uh, mm, on top of that uh, when you're going away. Uh, I would love your advice and help on how to help discipline my little girl. She has just turned four years old. She's the youngest of four children. Her older sisters are 10, 12 and 14. And I'm at my wits end with her behaviour. She refuses to listen. I call her name. She ignores me. I have to shout to get her attention. If I count one, two, three, she will respond. But it's got a tantrum with it. She tells me or her dad she doesn't love us anymore or she doesn't uh, like what we say. She's always looking to have my husband's phone or my phone and has a tantrum or scream cries if she doesn't get her way. We went away for a weekend with the children last weekend and it was so stressful. She really made life difficult for everyone with her behaviour. Behavior. It's really getting me down and making me not want to be around her as much as I want to be. Mm, yeah, oh I mean, look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Disciplining a child this age is really about boundaries, limit setting and redirection and distraction. I mean, she's only coming into that stage of development where cause and effect thinking is something you can appeal to. Mm. Um, she's very young. And I think we have to consider that, you know, she is the youngest considerably in in this family siblings. Her sisters are, you know, what, 10, 12, 14. That's a lot older than four. Especially, I'm speaking, you know, developmentally and emotionally. Yeah, there's a bit of a gap there. It's a big gap for them. So I think you want to ensure that she is getting enough age appropriate play for a four year old rather than tagging along with what the 10 year old Mm, is doing or the 12 year old so that she's mirroring or trying to match what they're doing. But that's not going to meet her emotional needs. She needs to play like a four year old. And when we see children who are, you know, there's a big age gap, their peer at home 
is six, seven years older than them yeah. um, at a completely different developmental stage. So just be aware of that because she may be kind of trying to keep up. She may be exposed to what they're watching, they're listening to, they're doing, and she's not quite able to process and make enough meaning of that. Um, she's also sounding in this and we're getting, I'm always aware, you know, with this, we get snapshots. There's obviously much more to a child and a family life than what we get. But in this this piece, she sounds agitated. She sounds irritable. But so does the parent writing in sound agitated and yes, irritable yeah, yeah. and be aware of what you might be passing back and forth between you like a little hot potato of irritation and frustration. You're anticipating her being difficult. She's not letting you down. She's being difficult. And then you feel frustrated and then she sees that frustration and gets frustrated back at you because she doesn't know what else to do. So check in with yourself first mm-hmm. and really try and look at what do you and she do for fun. This last line about you not wanting to be around her as much, that's pure frustration speaking. So what do you and she do for fun together? Like real good fun, laughing, you know, nothing, no agenda, just having fun and enjoying each other. When is the last time you got to do it? How often do you get to do it? That's where you're going to start investing in is you need to make sure that you are connecting with her at her level in what both of you shared joy every single day. I'd also be curious how she is in preschool. I'm assuming she's in preschool at that age. So, you know, how is she in preschool? How do they find her? How is she with her peers? And if they're saying she is a joy to behold, you know, she's just doing marvellous. What's the difference? Is it that she's getting a lot of developmentally appropriate play with same age peers in one space? And I mean, you can't, you know, unage your children. That's not what Mm. it's about. But you might need to look at, does she need more regular trips to a playground to meet kids her own age? Could you be structuring up some play arrangements where she is playing with kids her own age and just making sure she has that four year old time? Yeah. Also, well, I, I, I call her name. She refuses to listen. I, I, you know, she has sisters who are 12 at uh, 10, 12 and 14. Teenagers never do that stuff. So she's reaching up there. She is. And some of this behaviour is beyond her years. That's that's what's making me think she's watching and mirroring what's going on in a kind of pre-adolescent, adolescent behaviour span. Some of it is. But when children refuse to listen, um, I'm doing this a long time. The first thing when someone comes to me with this, Sean, I always say is get their hearing checked. Let's not assume they're not listening to you. Let's assume they can hear you, first of all, to be fair to them. If the hearing is good to go, then Look at what are they doing when you call their name. If they are busy playing, reading, immersed in something, then frankly, they're not hearing you because your voice isn't coming into the realm they're in. They're immersed in this imaginative play world. And you might be better off instead of hollering a name, coming in, gently coming down to eye level, reaching a hand onto her hand or her shoulder and saying, hey, getting eye contact and then saying what you want to say. Don't assume she's sort of in an oppositional, defiant way, yes. ignoring you. It may be that your your voice calling her to do a chore or come to the table isn't as interesting as what she's doing, yes. playing in that moment. My daughter is really struggling with the return to school. She's in second year and there's no denying that she put on some weight this summer. And since she went back to school last week, she's come home crying every day, saying she hates how she looks and she feels like everyone is looking at her. She's teary going into school every morning and today she begged me to let her stay at home. I don't want to make her weight a big issue, but if I tell uh, her that she can lose weight, if that's what's worrying her, am I then telling her that her self-worth comes from how she looks? She's smart, funny and talented in music, so I know she's got so much going for her, but these things don't seem to matter to her right now. 
Oh, it's tough being 14. God, it's really yeah. tough. And that summer between first and second year, so much changes. And I'm not just talking about bodies. I'm talking about socially, emotionally, so much changes. And we see this maybe overrepresented in girls. Um, you know, I'm just drawing anecdotally on evidence there that we can. But what can happen over that summer is some of the girls go back, some of the kids go back in second year and they're, you know, Almost completely different from yes, yes, (laughs) and some of them go back after that summer, and they're very much thirteen, turning fourteen. Yeah, and so we tend to see a significant shift in friendships and connections. Some of them are, you know, ready to push a few boundaries. Let's call it, take a few risks. Others are very much still at the do as you're told stage. All of that's fine, but it can cause a myriad of social difficulties in school. So this is a a tricky transition anyway. And, you know, while all of that's going on, of course, physical bodies are changing at this age anyway. Mm. You know, with with hormones, with everything else, body shape is changing. Um, You know, puberty is kicking up a notch. All of that's going on. So bodily changes are something, again, to be expected. OK, and I do hear in this, look, she she has gained some weight over the summer. And again, look at summertime, especially for Tina, unless you're doing loads of camps and loads of activities and in loads of clubs, there's a lot of kind of sitting still, not doing a whole lot of movement during the summer. That's mm. also possible. So some of this may sort itself out when she returns to her normal schedule in school, you know, getting to school, getting home, PE classes, sports, whatever she's involved in. And again, I'm making an assumption because there's not much in here about what she is actively involved in. Yeah. So I think as always, no matter how old our children are, no matter how how old any of us are, to be honest, focus on what your body can do and what her body can do rather than how it looks. You know, ask her, for example, just gently to keep you company on a walk because you find it helpful to shake off the day. And that way you're in. She's coming with you, but you're not saying, would you like to do some exercise so yeah, that we can work yeah. on your body shape? Because no would be the answer. That doesn't sound interesting, exciting at all. That makes me really self-conscious when mm. I'm already self-conscious. But if you're talking to her about shaking off the day and using movement, her body movement in a really healthy way to bring back that synchrony and getting back into sync, I think that's because a healthy body and we need to be much better at saying this. I was really interested listening to your previous interview as well, talking about bodies in this way. A healthy body is not necessarily a slim body. Like we really have to challenge that mindset as well. So what we want is that she's healthy and happy within herself and that her shape, it doesn't decide that one way or another. Be interested as well. The walk is a great way to do this, but be interested in what's interesting her because it teaches her she's an interesting person and all of that boosts self-esteem. And when you feel better internally about yourself in terms of who you are, how you are, what you look like genuinely does become secondary because, you know, well, that's going to change, but who I am doesn't change, Mm. you know, and she can work and adapt with that. So aside from this, I think you want to reflect with her because she is saying, I don't want to go to school. Okay, so I don't want to, you know, that's quite significant. So reflect that you've seen how upset she is. Wonder what might be underpinning the upset. Just saying, look, I've seen you're really upset. You're wanting to avoid school. I'm curious what is behind that. You know, what is the story of you trying to avoid school? I don't want to presume it's about her body. It could be something else. It could be what I mentioned at the start about friend dynamics. So let her say that. Ask her what has changed since last year assuming she was happy in school last year. And what does she now want to change? How might you help her with that? I would be making her an active, an agent of her own change, in other words, and very much investing in self-esteem because it is 
it is a rocky road at 14 with self-esteem at the best of times. So this is a good way to approach it regardless. Yeah. You'd kind of worry some, you know, something's been said to her. Or, it's possible, but it's yeah. also possible that she is comparing herself to others. Girl, yes, and it's all yeah. happening, inter- which is why I want to know what's underpinning her upset. If it's a kind of internal struggle, internal battle, then that's what you're going to help her with. Yeah. Going back uh, to the uh, the previous question about uh, the four year old, which th- with, with the older siblings, uh, Texas says, Joanna, so right. My youngest niece was eight years younger than her next sibling. And she was always struggling to keep up. And she used to get so frustrated, either being left out of the things her older sisters or brothers were doing or not being able to keep up and play the games they were. It's so obvious to me now, Mm. but we always looked on her as annoying and badly behaved at family occasions. I feel bad now looking back on it. Call her. It's never too late to make repair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you owe some cash now at this point. Uh, Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Uh, Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Going to take a break after that. What if JFK had lived? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.